Thank you for that, Johnny. Um, very good morning to you all folks. And can I just reiterate the welcome that Will made? Um, it's just lovely to have you joining us for fellowship and worship. I must admit, it is honestly so strange to be in here speaking um, to an audience of, what, eight or nine. Um, and the really odd thing is, I can't see any of you, but all of you can see me which is um, a wee bit mind-blowing, if you ask me. Anyways, continuing on in our series, we're going to take a closer look at Psalm 94. The honesty and the emotion and the energy of the psalm are very apparent. The psalmist is incensed by the wickedness he sees in the world around him, and he questions why God hasn't acted. But as we get closer to the end of the psalm, we see that he rests easy in the assurance that God will right the wrongs. Let's just read the psalm together. Please follow with whatever version is your preference um, or read from the screen. The Lord is a God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long, Lord, will the wicked, how long will the wicked be jubilant? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. They say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. Take notice, you senseless ones among the people. You fools. When will you become wise? Does he who fashioned the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge? The Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach your law, or the one you teach from your law. You grant them relief from days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be founded on righteousness and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against the evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you? A throne that brings misery by its decrees? The wicked band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord, our God, will destroy them. And may God bless the reading of his word. Wickedness is a characteristic of a fallen world. It seems to me that you can find it everywhere you look. And indeed, we all have the capacity for it. In every decade of the 20th and 21st century, there has been some awful injustice that has been the result of human wickedness. Think, by way of example, of the Holocaust, the Rwandan genocide, or indeed modern-day slavery. 
Like the psalmist, we live with wickedness every day. You just have to look at the news headlines. And it's easy to talk about wickedness as a distant problem, a problem in the world and one that isn't related to us. We don't like to associate ourselves with wickedness or think of ourselves as evil or wicked. We're more inclined to think that the lies we tell or the unpleasant thoughts that we have don't match that of others. We say to ourselves, I'm not as bad as him or her. But the reality is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans 3. We might deny it and we might not like it, but it is is true. I want you to recall a time when you have just been made aware of some terrible injustice. What has your gut reaction been? Think of how you felt when you heard the Twin Towers had collapsed. Think of the loss of life and the devastation brought upon thousands of families. To name a few, I'm sure you were overwhelmingly sad, angry, confused, frustrated, and wonder how such a thing could happen. The horror of it all caused many to ask God, why? Although the psalmist seems to be referring to lots of injustices that have become part of the society in which he lives, we share his gut response to injustice. We want God to act. And this is what we see in verses 1 to 7. The psalmist is petitioning the Lord to deliver justice, but is assured and confident that justice will come. In addressing God, the psalmist says, rise up, judge of the earth, pay back the proud what they deserve. The psalmist clearly identifies God as the one who will seek vengeance on the wicked. This is not the duty of the righteous, but the righteous mustn't be idle. This is echoed by the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, verse 19, when he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In verses 8 to 11, the psalmist, in addressing the wicked, highlights that despite what they might think, God does hear, he does see, and he knows their plans. Their wickedness will not go unnoticed or indeed be without consequence. It's interesting because in my mind you can take verses 8 to 11 one of two possible ways and maybe indeed both. The psalmist is calling out their stupidity and in doing so asking God to pronounce his judgment on them. Or could the psalmist be appealing to the wicked to reconsider their wicked and sinful ways? Regardless of what you think, It's clear that the psalmist takes comfort in the knowledge that God knows and sees the wicked for who they are. And we too can take comfort in that. However, it serves as a reminder to us that God is El Roy, the God who sees. He knows us better than we know ourselves and that includes our capacity for wickedness. Psalm 94, for all its talk of the wicked, is also a psalm filled with hope and assurance. This hope belongs to the righteous. Verse 14 says, For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. So even in the the face of great wickedness, the righteous will triumph. However, the psalmist alludes in verse 12 that this process won't be easy. A key part of the learning process, as we all know, 
is facing adversity and dealing with challenges. If we didn't fail every so often, we wouldn't know what it was to succeed. Learning God's law, as the psalmist says, sticking close to God, even in the middle of adversity, allows us to find rest in him and ultimately hope for better. This is affirmed slightly later in the psalm, in verse 19, when the psalmist writes, When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. God knows that it's difficult to hold on in the middle of a storm. I must say I love that expression, my foot is slipping, because I feel it's something that we all can identify with. We have all had moments when we no longer feel in control. The ground shifts beneath us and we no longer have that tight grip on God that we once had. But the psalmist assures us that God will support us, console us, and hold on to us. I think this verse has particular relevance for us during the pandemic. Most people have experienced some level of anxiety over the last year. And if we allow it to, it will consume us. But we have the Lord. He is our anchor, or as the psalmist puts it, the Lord has become my fortress and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. Sometimes knowing it isn't enough for us. And so practically speaking, when things get tough for us, particularly in lockdown, we need to know how to help ourselves. For me, it can be contact with my friends and family or time in prayer. For you, it might be a walk, some music, some silence, or spending time in God's Word. And don't forget that we're all part of a much wider church family. If you need prayer, ask for it. And if you're struggling, feel free to call someone. The final aspect of Psalm 94 that I'd like to spend time considering is what we see in verse 16. The psalmist writes, Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evil doers? This to me appears as a call to action. In fact, one Bible teacher referred to this as the psalmist writing in activist mode. It begs the question, what is our response in the face of wickedness? You'll remember that earlier I referred to the Holocaust. During the 30s and 40s, the Nazis and their supporters were responsible for some of the most awful atrocities. And in equal measures, you had Christians who did everything they could to fight against it, and those who did not. Think of people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer or my personal favorite, Corrie ten Boom, who both, when faced with wickedness, courageously did whatever they could to oppose the Nazi regime. If you were in that situation, what would you have done? It's, it's an almost impossible answer or question to ask. Perhaps the better question is, when you have witnessed wickedness or evil, what have you done? And I'm not necessarily talking about something as big as the Holocaust, Maybe being part of a group who are making fun or gossiping about someone else. Maybe you see something bad and choose to act like you never saw it. I have certainly not always acted in the past when I have had the choice or the conviction to do so. 
I don't know what your situation might have been, but ask yourselves, what choice did you make? Bonhoeffer is quoted as saying, silence in the face of evil is evil itself, or is is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Bonhoeffer, along with the psalmist, places some of the responsibility on our shoulders. As I said earlier, wickedness comes in all shapes and sizes. It can be big or small, and so too can our response. When Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote and preached against the Nazis, he was among many who did. Each of their small responses amounted to a much bigger voice of dissent. Over lockdown, Sophie and I have been loving movies, and one of the trilogies we've been watching has been The Hobbit. Without going into too much detail, J.R. Tolkien, the author, is thought to have based his books on the themes we find in Scripture. One character is questioned as to why he has included a small and seemingly insignificant member of the group, and this is his response. People believe it is only great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I find it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay, small acts of kindness and love. How true is that? We all have a part to play, no matter how able or limited we feel. Our response to wickedness must be one of action and not complacency. I was with a patient last week who has had a a very rough life and and during a recent spell in prison she came across someone who she called the wee nun. This Catholic sister befriended her and helped her with various things, but one thing she said to me stood out. She told me that the wee nun, and I, I, I only used that because that's what she used, had bought her a new coat. My patient is in her mid-50s, and no one had ever bought her a new coat. No one had ever cared enough about her to do so. I could see in her face that because someone had thought to buy her a new coat, she, the patient, had a renewed sense of how valuable she was. It was a relatively small intervention on the part of the Catholic sister, but to my patient it was huge, life-changing in fact. As a way of, of bringing all this to a close, let's just briefly go over some of the points, some of the main points from Psalm 94. Psalm 94 shows us that God will and does right the wrong. He delivers the righteous from the wicked and does not let injustice or injustice rather go unnoticed. This is a message that is so relevant for today. Many of our brothers and sisters around the world live under extreme persecution, just as the psalmist. We also find in Psalm 94 a message of hope. Hope for a better day to come and the assurance that God will support us through the trials of our life. And finally, Psalm 94 issues a challenge and it's one that we should all take notice of. Sometimes it seems like things just happen. God acts without need for us. But other times God uses his faithful ones to act on his behalf. Think of the Catholic sister in the story I told you. God used her in a very powerful way to challenge the wickedness 
to intervene in someone's life and to show them that God is a God who rights wrongs. During this time of pandemic, who is God directing us to help, support, or show love to? And what will our response be the next time we witness wickedness? Thank you.